0: Welcome back to another episode of Ngahiri Talks. It's pretty awesome to have uh, one of the Kai kōrero of Aotearoa podcast here with us today. Um, Hepatemuana, otherwise known as Best side. How are you supposed to say that actually?
1: Na, like that. Because yeah, yeah, uh, it's three eyes, right? Yeah, yeah. So that came about um, yeah, growing up in Taranaki, um, born and raised there. Like we used to walk around saying like West Side, you yeah, know, because yeah, we're yeah. on the West Side of the North Island and 90s hip-hop influence and all that. And then also, um, yeah, so growing up on the West Side, Best Side, exaggerating that eye sound because we used to do that as kids. And also the conversations that I have uh, to encourage people to open up their third eye. Yes. So hence, three eyes.
0: Wow, oh, so. awesome. Well, ngā mahi e hoa. Welcome to Kia the oda. show. It's really awesome to have you. Um, and while you're at it, why don't you just give us a little mahi, introduce yourself, yeah, who you are, where you're from and all of that.
1: No reira, yeah, kia rei tewi whanui, uh, ko hoi e pa rewati timoana te tōku uh, whāia, he uri no napuhi no Fiji hoki, uh, te taha tōku matua, uh, he uri no te apanui, engari e aiki katahi anō, ko puta ai, i tipu ai, i whanau mai, i rarui te so, yeah. from the west, o Taranaki. So, from the east, from the north, but born and raised in the west, so everybody's kid, they say.
0: Oh it's awesome <laughs> to have you here today um awesome to be here. hopefully the first of many many occurrences where we get to um, hang out together and mahi hard together. I
1: think that's going to happen.
0: yes, I think so too. so um, tell me a little bit before we get into I love to know a little bit more about you. what was your life like growing
1: up um yeah, it was pretty interesting. i so as I said, born and raised in Taranaki um in New Plymouth in town um Kind of, I guess, a defining sort of story, or it's, it's public knowledge, and I speak about it in the podcast too. Um, my my parents kind of went through a bit of a, a interesting divorce, um, which led to me living in lots of other houses outside of home. So I spent a lot of time growing up in heaps and heaps of houses in different parts of town, different social, you know, economical areas, different demographics, um, different ethnicities, cultures, and all sorts of things. So once again, everybody's kid. Um, Yeah, I suppose for a little bit there, I suppose I was what you would call a state kid, so staying in different fuddy and all that sort of thing. And at the time, um, I used to think when I was younger that it's like the worst thing ever in the world. and You know, I used to spend some late nights up kind of sulking about it, for lack of a better term. Uh, But now that I'm older, I realise it's probably the best thing to ever happen to me because it gives me a lot of insight into how different parts of Aotearoa, function and their perceptions and their beliefs mm. and just trying to make it all work we're all just doing the best yep. with what we have that's right trying eh? to make it happen so
0: yeah yeah i was gonna ask you that too like what do you think um you kind of answered it already but what what did you really learn from like take from that experience growing up like that
1: oh like yeah like one i guess like you said everyone's just doing the best of what they can and mm. um, with what they have um there's no one answer for anything mm. And there's a lot of gray in life yeah um yeah like i mean f- you know for example i'd be staying with one Fano who you know you're all good to wear your shoes inside um, Dad would let you have a beer with him on a Wednesday sort of thing, you know, mm. and we were like 14, 15, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you go to another Friday, and you got to be up on Sunday for church, you know, so my life at the time was quite, I guess, for lack of a better term, tumultuous, like mm. you never knew what was around the corner, every Friday operated differently, yeah. Um, but yeah, as I say, it, it, it definitely set me up because I'm pretty comfortable going into quote-unquote foreign spaces mm. or unknown spaces because... Been there before, yeah, and I've come yeah. out okay. Yeah. And there's always something to learn. Yeah. That's probably the big thing.
0: And sets you up with that resilience, right?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah
0: as, a, as an adult. So, who would you say have been some of the the key influences in your life?
1: Oh man I've been I've been lucky to have so many. Mm. Um, a lot, like a lot of a lot of wahine. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying that degrees, uh, but definitely mana wahine is show off, Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the ladies. And not, and not trying to, you know, kiss, kiss up as well. <laughs> uh, but a lot of wahine in my life, like, I, when I reflect back on those times of the craziness, like, man, there's so many mums that just held it down. Mm. Um, you know, like, I'm, I'm so, in, in the actual, I guess, my, for lack of a better term, like my Turanga my birth whare, I'm one of five boys, Mm. and so that's crazy enough like when I look at my friends now so I'm I'm 32 and I'm seeing my friends all having children and you know I'd go to the supermarket and one of them might have two kids mm. and that's hectic and mm. then like, it makes me reflect on my mum with the five of us and now hectic yeah, that yeah, must have yeah. been um, and then other funny that I've stayed in so like how I guess I kind of when things started to kind of go a bit downwards at home with me and then which led to me going into these other funny. It was actually a collective group of women that got together and said, "Hey, this kid's going to end up in the system. Mm. We need to kind of work together to make sure that doesn't happen." And they sort of put like a together a bit of a roster awesome. to look after me to make sure that that didn't happen. Yeah. So a lot of those, um, yeah, a lot of those I have, you know, like I call them all mum. So that's like a big thing that's too. So like beautiful. When I was younger. I used to think I don't have a family, you know, like I was comparing, to be honest, I was just comparing myself to TV too much, yeah. I was like, I didn't have the Hollywood picture perfect family, now that I'm older, I've got the biggest family in the world, like, it's mean, it's and it's huge, um, so definitely all the mums that I've ever had, they've been huge influences. Um, you know, I've always said that I belong to to three cultures, I guess there's the the Māoriness, Uh then there's also the for lack of a better term, I don't like the term, but like Kiwi cultural, New Zealand culture, um, mm. and then there's hip-hop culture too, because mm. a lot of that, the music and the, the aspirations that that music talks about, because to me hip-hop is the music of the betrothed, right? It's the yeah. music of people that are fighting and trying to get things done and pushing through and that resilience that you mentioned. Mm. Um, so a lot of those hip-hop artists, I know it sounds cliché, um, typical brown boy, um, <laughs> but a lot of those artists—they got me through some of the hardest times in my life. When I was by myself in those spaces, trying to think, where am I going to stay tonight? Where's my next meal coming from? Mm. I was lost listening to a lot of their music and realizing they have been where I am. I am now. Mm. They got to where they are. There's nothing to say that I can't get there too. Yeah. Not that I have aspirations to become a famous rapper, but you yeah, know, yeah. it was just. That, well, didn't um, even know. No a <laughs> mind. It was just that. Um, <laughs> That belief and that hope that that music was able to give me, yeah. so I do derive a lot from from hip hop music and like especially the old scene, yeah. Because um, wow. I was a radio announcer for eight years working the Niwi radio, oh, choice. And so I got a chance to meet a lot of those dudes. So yeah, I know that they're like yeah, real yeah. people, not just people you see. Have on you TV. heard that
0: podca- podcast mogul?
1: No. Oh,
0: you gotta watch it. Okay, I'll listen to it. You'll love it. It's essentially like the whole season is. Um, I, I just started listening to potentially season three. Um, but it's it's like untold or like really influential stories from hip hop culture. Oh, yeah. Told over a series of, of episodes. And I love those things too. Like, yeah. there's,
1: and there's heaps of nuances within the culture that make you go, oh, because you think yeah. a lot of these things just happened by accident yeah. or this person just randomly met this person. And that does happen a lot mm. too. But then when you kind of hear some of those low key where things were intentionally done or someone set up with a goal to make that happen, yeah. it wasn't just by mistake.
0: Totally. So, this, um, this recent series is on, I forget the name of the DJ, but he started um to really like slow down the tracks and slow down, or, like mix up, like kind of distort the tracks and slow down the lyrics oh, yeah. or the voices, which started a whole new hip hop culture. I forget his name, but it's really, really interesting. Sounds and like he started it would have been just by selling mixtapes. Houston tapes, scene and the mixed mixed tapes. chopped, chopped tapes. and screwed music Yeah, stuff, so like he like was, oh, yeah. the and they, like he started that and he started off selling tapes, like mixtapes at... Like the like the night markets, kind of like the equivalent to the night markets, and would sell like thousands of them every time that he'd get them out yep. just for 10 bucks. It's real interesting, anyway. You should check it out. Yeah, it, it sounds like it might cool. be someone from that special um, house. So, um, why are big influences in your life? What do you take away from that now as a Tane?
1: Yeah, it is like it's a super interesting sort of space to be in, like, like I said before, and I suppose. Like, I didn't mean to cop out when I said I don't want to, you know, be a kiss, you know, kiss, um, grease up a bit. But it's because, like, I am real aware that, like, you know, advocacy for women stuff seems to be, like, popular at the yeah, moment. Yeah,
0: yeah, so you're not trying to just blend in. Nah,
1: so when you, like, speak about those sort of things, well, there are people that just want to accuse you of doing that, right? I know within myself that I'm not doing that, so I'm fine and I can carry myself confidently because mm. I know. Yeah. And when you know, it's it's just easy. Um, but, the, yeah, I mean, I do... <laughs> a lot of dudes will be like, bro, why do you even, you never used to talk about that. Mm. And that's probably, they're probably right. It's probably something I should have been talking about a long time ago. But man, as a tāne, it's, um, I mean, I suppose recognising the privilege we have as tāne, mm. um, that has been huge for me. Because I used to be very much the typical, nah, everyone's you know, born on an even playing field. Despite what I've been through, mm. and that's what I used to say, and that's what I used to think. Um, I don't agree with those views anymore. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's for me, it's quite easy to see that there's, you know, certain like systems are designed, f- like when you th- I think kids when they play with the, I can't remember what they are called, but you know, when you try and fit the blocks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so there's yeah. certain shapes, right, that are ingrained into that toy. Mm. If you if you're a block that doesn't suit those shapes, then you can't integrate into that system, mm. and that definitely happens. Yeah. Um, for me, it's quite evidential. There's there's a lot of things. Uh, references or examples where a system was designed for certain shapes to fit into it. If you're not one of those shapes, well, so then you're not fitting in. Mm. And I think uh, being tiny, there are more systems which allow that shape to fit in. Yeah, yeah. Because it was probably designed by a tiny at some stage. Mm. And, if, and, and then also on top of that, not only was it designed by a tiny, but, like, is probably actually the idea from a wahine. They just took it and moulded it. Because that happens <laughs> to, like, Indigenous culture, which yeah. I know we're going to get into, right? Yeah. Um. So I think that's... Uh, it has happened a lot as well, I guess. Yeah, patriarchy, I think, is the term mm. that a lot of people use. So I, I'm still new in that space in terms of learning. But, like, uh, for me, it's been big just acknowledging that that happens. Because, mm. like, you know, it's sad to say that I was someone who was like, nah, that's not a thing.
0: Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then now, after just... Listening to, you know, these mums that I mentioned, um, people who I'd call my sisters to, cousins for knowing it all, and stuff, and actually just, like, listening and hearing what they go through, yeah, yeah. and then it kind of opens up to the possibility, and then you start to actually see it, and that adds layers to it, yeah. so that's been the big thing, like, yeah. Like from small things, like in my workplace at the moment, trying to do a lot of advocacy for um, people that go through endometriosis. Mm. Um, just because a lot of wahini in my life they've touched by it and they express to me how that hinders their work life. Yeah, yeah. And then so just trying to make things easier in that space. So that's kind of just one example of things and doing my best to help out with, with, you know, not leading it myself, but just being there to total yeah. and be in the background. That's
0: really and, special. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, moving on from say your upbringing and your early influences, like what's your like, career journey been like since, since you started in the working world and right up to how you ended up here at
1: Shopify. I honestly reckon, and this is gonna sound cliche as, and, and some people might <laughs> not be happy with it, but I honestly reckon I probably haven't worked a day in my life. Yeah. Um, I I was told pretty early that if you monetize your hobbies, then you never work. Mm. Um, so I just set up. Who told t- you that? My uncle. Makoto said that, which is a hard case because he's quite, um, he he was quite like into formal education and kind of real structured, Yeah. and he almost kind of like influenced or forced me to do the opposite. Like, it was almost like I was his, he Don't wanted go to see what, up. It, was, it was almost like he wanted to see what would happen if yeah. someone went against the grain, because yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he encouraged most of Alfano and stuff to, to run that formal education um, line like and you know there was kind of like a running joke in the whanau that if you ever went to uni then koro shouts because he's so into that and like he was a big um, influence with helping um, get started the the ministry of education and stuff like that he was a big oh, part awesome. of MOE and yeah. did a lot of mahi there um, so yeah that's I guess so when I was at school um, my, my first probably job I think would have been I could actually probably say it was DJing. So what happened was when I was at school, um, there was a DJ playing a school social and I was just standing by there watching it. You know, I'd seen like um, a lot of DJs on TV and stuff and the way I used to be obsessed with the way they would juggle and scratch mm. and I was just watching him. And then during that time, during that night, that gig, he got a phone call saying that his son had gone into the hospital mm. um, and that he'd been in an accident. He just pulls me over and goes, bro, this is how you do this, this is how you do this, go oh, hard. Yeah. And he yeah. just left. And so that was like me fourteen year old left at our school social, like and in my head I guess like hadn't had the like good attitude with it and that I didn't it didn't scare me. I was just like, Well, I'm not getting paid. There's no pressure on me. If I muck this up, it's all gonna be his fault. Did you muck it up? No, nah, oh, well, I don't know, probably. Did it go off? Yeah, yeah, no, but well, it <laughs> did. Like I yeah. like the kids and stuff for like a few weeks after that were like, Man, you were really good and that kind of pumped me up to I ended up falling into that as I guess a, a career or being self-employed as a DJ for the last 16 years and it all started because of that. Yeah. So that was probably my first job. Um, I was one of those typical kids at school that talked too much and distracted the other kids from doing their work. Mm. Uh, thankfully I got my work done but then not helping others get their work done became a bit of a problem. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
1: I had an awesome careers lady. Um, shout out to Chris- Christelle Chapman. Um, she was amazing. Um, shows the difference it can make when teachers actually care yeah. She said this kid obviously loves music and he loves people Music plus people equals radio Yeah. So she got me an internship at our Te awesome. Taranaki t- Got yeah. me an internship there when I was 15 And um, same thing Come to the end of that they said what are your plans I was like well I suppose I'll head off to uni and do communications or journalism or something Because I really enjoyed this They're like nah stay here we'll train and pay you So mm. I got my diplomas and stuff through them They paid for it all um, and I spent eight years there doing that um, and then after that I shot off to Aussie and um, started a business over there um, doing some money it's actually this kind of sounds Are like sounds like you going to say
0: money laundering no no sound, <laughs> sounds
1: like the start of a bad joke There was um, me an English father, a fella and Aussie fella in a bar um, had a conversation about kind of disposable income that they've got in Australia and how it was pretty ridiculous, you know, yeah. like they were spending... That
0: mining cash. Eh? Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty much. And I was like, there's got to be some good causes that this could go towards. Mm. Um, so we started doing marketing for nonprofits and getting people to spend that disposable income with charity to, yeah. to make a difference because everyone's looking for a tax write-off. So there were ways to levy that. So did that for about five years um, and then, yeah, moved home. Moved into the retail space, working for Spark. Which, to be honest, I was like, "I'm just going to go and do that and bide my time until I find something else I want to mm. do." But I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, they really looked after me. I know that Spark is seen as being like a big bad corporation for a mm. lot of people, um, but I couldn't talk positively about them enough. Um, they were amazing, like especially like as Maori, like something I really love in places. Um, as a Maori, is when they take the time to understand the cultural nuances of tangihanga. hunger. Mm. Like when there's those times when you've got to go for like ten days, sometimes yeah, you know, yeah, or yeah. five days. There was never an issue. Mm. Um, I definitely had to explain myself. It wasn't just like, yeah, cool, go." Be like, sit down, work out a bit of a plan, um, get in touch. They might give me some email work to do while I was gone. Just things I could manage while yeah, I was yeah. away. There was all, they were always willing awesome. to work together with that. So, yeah. shout outs to Spark for that. And then I stopped work because. I wanted to build the podcast, yeah. and so I stopped work, like because I was like, I'll do it in the pockets of my day, you know, I was yeah. just never getting it done, yeah. so I was like, I'm going to stop work.
0: You really intentional way with podcasting, Yeah. or with content in general. Hard out. Yeah.
1: So I just, I, I quit work, and then got to mahi on the podcast for a little while, and sure. it was just like sorting out guests, and building up the, yeah, the content, and doing that sort of stuff, and then after that got a bit of momentum, um, then I started looking for work again. Yeah. Um. I saw an ad pop up for these fellas for Shopify on the old Facebook. Um, Bit of a running joke at at, um, Shopify as well. They still don't have my CV uh, Uh because (laughs) I didn't believe it was kind of real. Because, you know, within Aotearoa, it's still not culturally normal for people to do remote work. Um, well, yeah. obviously post-COVID, it's like everyone's doing it, but yeah, the pre-COVID, yeah. and also responding to an ad on Facebook, probably wasn't, you know, your typical job recruitment route here in Aotearoa. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, this ad said and something like... And even
0: getting jobs in e-commerce in Aotearoa is still, it's, I mean, it's building, but there's not a lot.
1: Yeah, well, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people coming in now. So, yeah. but you know, the ad was something like it was stupid too, like an ad that wouldn't really appeal to me. It said something like, "Earn fifty-five thousand dollars from home." Like it sounded pyramid scheme as. Yeah, yeah. And then for some reason, I applied and got talking to them. They wanted my was your money
0: launderer that's yeah. <laughs> why.
1: <laughs> and they wanted they wanted to see my um wanted to see like my CV and stuff, and I was just like, nah, I don't trust you." Like, okay, then we're gonna have a talk on the phone. We had a chat on the phone. Did what they call a gauntlet. Um, and then had like an interview, and then yeah, we were on. Awesome. And then slowly, I guess, moving into the role that I'm in now. Um, so I'm I'm what's called the um, an Indigenous business developer for Shopify. And so that kind of happened because of the mahi I was, I guess, already doing within the business. So mm. you know, when it was Tewiki Oterio. So how long
0: have you been there? All
1: up? I'll be there. It'll be two years oh, on yeah. the 12th of September. Mean, so coming up to my two year birthday, yeah, which in Shopify years is really long, yeah, 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 because like the progression is so quick, like you know, they kind of they're good, they're great at finding out what you're passionate about and moving you into that area if you want to move, yeah. Um, I was one of those ho-ha fellas that was like, nah, I'm sweet, I don't want to move, and you know, had opportunities pop up and I was kind of batting them away left, right, and center. I was like, nah, nah, I love what I'm doing, and then when I saw an opportunity to advocate for our people Mm -hmm. from within, once again, another corporate beast, I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I, I let at the opportunity and probably more so because it's um what's the word? It was like almost betrothed to me, you know, yeah, like yeah. it was it was people within the organization that said, and Mori people, or indigenous people globally actually, they said, you know, we want you to come on our team because we can see what you bring. Yeah. It's very different to you applying for a role, right? Yeah. So totally. having like, you know, you've you've met the sister and Nez and mm-hmm. Having people like that say we want you to be a part of our team,
0: yeah. um, that
1: was huge for me. Yeah. And then once I learned about the awesome mahi that we're actually doing, some of it I can maybe share, some of it I definitely can't. Yeah. Um, but some of the mahi that they're doing, man, it's awesome. And and to know that there's a big, a big um once again corporate giant. Yeah. Out why there don't who cares? you share a little so. bit?
0: Because um, I think even the fact that Shopify has its roots in Canada, mm. which I think. Influences the reason they're so into indigenous people, um, like whenever people think, oh, they have an indigenous team, that it's just a box tick. Mm. Um, but maybe just do share a little bit about what what you can share about what that team yeah, does yeah. or what, so what, what you're about to do. So that's
1: important to recognise too. There's things that I can share and things that I can't. Yeah, and yeah. I don't mean.
0: And we won't I, spend too long on this. but
1: And I don't yeah. mean like there's secret projects we're working on. I mean that I am not Indigenous First Nations, so I can't speak on their behalf. Because yeah, a true. lot of that mahi did start from our Whanunga over there, yeah. um, who are deep in that space and, and been doing the mahi a lot longer than we've even had an Aotearoa team. Mm. Um, so it's important to acknowledge the Kuzzy's over there putting their work in. But essentially, people within um, Shopify and started advocating more for indigenous rights and indigenous perspectives from within, mm. within Shopify. Um, and once again, shout-outs to them. We all know for anyone that's ever worked in spaces where Indigenous voices aren't the loudest, it does take a lot of resilience and a lot of, you know, going back and forth again after getting pushed away. Mm. Um, and so, you know, shout-outs to those guys for for continuing, continuing the mahi and never giving up on it. And then eventually it led to a point where Shopify um, acknowledged the detrimental aspects of colonisation. Like they said, you know, we... We know that colonization has taken away the ability of Indigenous people to have economic sovereignty, Mm. Um, and we want to be part of writing that wrong. Of course, there's Mm. there's like some natural mistrust um, when you've got that. I mean, I don't want to call it trauma, perhaps, but you know, there's that that natural thing, yeah, and that natural thing of like this person. So if we, if I look at, um, say governments or whatever has been a, a physical person when this person's given you so many examples and reasons not to trust them mm-hmm. it's almost it's hard when they do want to actually help yeah. and I think that's probably that speaks for society as a whole when someone you're used to kind of using and abusing you when they do when it when they do genuinely want to start helping it, it's hard to believe that yeah um, so Shopify now yeah they've they've been committed to as I said um, restoring yeah. that economic sovereignty to indigenous peoples um, globally, and like we're not perfect. There's still things that we're working out, and still things that we're trying to do, mm. um, but we've started, and yeah, and was. that's and that's huge. Um, one project that's that I've been absolutely loving that um, I've been introduced to some of our Finning in the Northern Territories of Australia, yeah, and there's man. a little little community up there, and they wanted they they want to have, I'll use that term again, economic sovereignty because they want to stay within their rohe, mm. you know the 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 smart thing to do no sorry no not smart thing to do, the easy thing to do and i guess the capitalist thing to do or the commercially viable thing to do will be to move away from that or here and send their kids to schools in the cities and stuff yeah, like that because yeah, it's a lot yeah. easier because this place is way out on the watts mm. like they've got a 50 year old cell phone tower there they've got old copper lines to the ground yeah. that that um that i think they're, they're their, their local agency have said they're not going to maintain those lines anymore because they're oh, just wow. out in the middle of nowhere. And so they've been freaking out yeah, because yeah. they're, um, yeah, they're like, they don't want to send their kids to the city, which they'll have to do because the school will close because it does, it's not going to get any data. It's not going yeah, to get, yeah. you know, learning facilities for their kids. Um, their like innovation hubs like this will be closed and, and things like that. So they're going to have to move, which I don't want to do. Um, so one of the projects that we're working on is actually getting them a satellite link directly to their door here, so they don't have to move and yeah, they don't have to run awesome. on that tower. Uh, so that's a big project that we're working on at the moment. Which fingers crossed will be will be through, and. Um, yeah, so that's part of the team, that's part of the mahi that I get to help out with now. Yeah. And even, you know, with, with you fellas and the, and the great projects that you've got coming up, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's cool to be here to support and total or whether it's running a workshop, whether that's just good old putia mm. <laughs> which I know, yeah. you know, there's been conversations around that as well. Yeah. Um, and even like talking to some of the people that I've met here in the short time that I've been here this morning, like every conversation there's little ideas that I know that yeah, we can yeah, slot choice. into and help out with. So I've been making notes and stuff, talking to all sorts of different people Love that. I feel like honestly feel like a like a brown Santa, you know. Feel like <laughs> hun- feel like because that's kind of part of my role to come in and and offer support on puti and the places that we can on behalf of Shopify in order to tip the scales, you know, to level out the playing field and, and restore that economic sovereignty to not only to Māori, but Tangata Pacifica, our indigenous whānau the First Nations, um, yeah, our whānau over there in Aussie, yeah. So, Big job, small awesome. team. Big job, but meaningful stuff that yeah. excites me. And
0: do you want people to hit you up if they interests them?
1: Yeah, I mean, let's let's have a conversation. At least I don't have an email to give out at the moment because we're getting that established because we know we're going to need one. Yeah, yeah. Um, fair so enough. that is definitely going to be coming. But maybe just yeah, have them reach out to you guys and you can forward them on to me for now yeah, until yeah. we put together something more formally.
0: Yeah, awesome. Yeah.
1: Sure. Cool. Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm. I'm not shy to have a conversation. We might not be able to meet face to face or Zoom all the time, but a quick email or something. Um, yeah. But I mean, I'm all over the place now, so there's an opportunity for a 15 minute coffee. We're to we'll try and make it happen for sure.
0: Yeah, choice. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're in the world of e-commerce. You're in the world of creating digital content. Yep. Like what? What do you reckon is the? I don't know the opportunity for our people when it comes to e-commerce and being online, in general.
1: Yep. So for me. I think, like f- like hands down, and I say this all the time, and I know some of my TOWEU friends don't like me saying it, but I say it all the time, <laughs> like Indigenous people are the best storytellers in the world. Yep. Hands down. And, hands you down. know, if you want to come talk to me about it, we can talk about it. But, <laughs> and yeah. I'll
0: storytell you out of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I know,
1: but, yeah, so uh, uh, in terms of that, so when I relate that to e-commerce, I love like, you know, the Cardi Maldi thing that you got yeah that you mm, did. Because yeah. it depends how you look at that, right? You can say, oh cool, that's just Māori playing cards, whatever. But I know there's going to be someone out there listening who's probably had a good old game of yuka with nanny. Mm. And now imagining to do that now with your TL cards. And so mm. creating stories around what it actually means and not just having the product there. Like those things are huge. Yeah. Um, for example, like something that I've been working on because at the moment I'm doing my masters. Oh, uh, and what? In Indigenous Studies. Oh, cool. So uh, how I've been relating that to my mahi um, in terms of the e-commerce world, because, you know, if you can make your studies and your mahi come together, then that's less work. <laughs> Energy-efficient whānau, <laughs> um, or lazy. But, yeah, so the one thing that I've been working on is, like, um, I don't even know if this is the word, but, like, tangifying. <laughs> Tan- <laughs> tangifying stories into <laughs> merchandise. So, for example... um. There's an awesome story from from down Whanganui River, and I won't get into the details because I can't remember the names and I know these things are important, but long story short, there's a story of a tanifa that used to run up and down the Whanganui River who used to, um, was kind of like terrorising some of the iwi down there and then they had to get a, um, a rangatira from up kai iwi ways to come down and slay said tanifa. Mm. Um, but then it turns out that the tanifa was actually doing that because they were seeking vengeance because someone in that iwi had actually killed their friend. Oh. So, you know, there's this big story. Yeah. And then what it actually did is we've, like, illustrated or put that story um, using artwork onto a water bottle mm. because the water bottle obviously signifying the awa. Um, and then what that's doing is we, we sell that bottle to people from that here that don't live in their rohe anymore. Mm. So they feel connected to home. Yeah. And they're able to tell a story from home and be real proud of where they're from yeah. while sending money back home, which a lot of us like, especially for our and and Aussie. Mm. I know when I was living in Australia, tangi and stuff that would happen or like marae upgrades and stuff and you want to contribute, it's not always easy to do. Mm. Uh, whereas now using platforms such as Shopify, we can easily organise that, but then you've also got something to hold on to and that's yours and home. Yeah, when you yeah, go yeah. to a, your co-working space and you put a bottle down, someone goes, oh, well, what's that cool design? Is that well, that
0: bottle that you've got here? No, no, it's oh. not this
1: one, no, no. But you put it down and people, what's that design? You go, well, let me tell you something cool about where I'm from. And then yeah, you can yeah, get into yeah. the corridor. So I think there's a lot of space there to yeah. be, and I'm happy to talk about it openly because I'm hoping someone rips the idea off. Yeah, like, yeah, go yeah, for yeah, it, yeah. whānau. Um, but that's something that I've been having to do with, with yeah. my Masters as and well. and I so. love that.
0: I love that it's like a perfect segue into what I feel is like our key all for today, which is around um, Polynesian IP or Māori Pacific Indigenous IP and how sexy it's becoming. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's kind of two parts to that that I kind of want to unpack. One is like what is IP, I guess, and what do we mean by Polynesian IP or Indigenous IP? And then the second part is... Um, I guess just seeing, and this is from my own experience and my own observations, is how um, sexy and attractive it is right now and it's forcing uh, what I'm calling the colonial land grab of our time where um, people with money, whether they're VCs or um, companies like Disney or whatever like that, that are really keen on grabbing a piece of this IP and monetizing it. I don't know where to start but what, what would you say around um, what actually is IP and what is Polynesian or Indigenous IP?
1: Yeah, so really simply for me, and there'll be someone out there that can probably describe it better than me, like I just, for me, I just like dumbify all the words that they wrote. Like so lawyers and like lawmakers and stuff, they love to make things seem overcomplicated, intimidating, so that your regular Joes such as myself don't go bother looking there because it just sounds too hard. But we think... Too inter-
0: many words. Yeah, <laughs> there
1: are Too many syllables usually. Yeah. So intellectual property it's like a uh, property is like a, a space that you own right or something uh, i guess a space that can be owned intellectual things that happen in your head <laughs> so yeah. so that's like the ownership of ideas yeah that's essentially what intellectual property is yeah, who owns yeah. an idea yeah um and you're right like it is it is like i had never thought of until you emailed me the other day i'd never thought of it as being the land grab but mm. that's exactly what it is yeah uh, it's it's so hard because it's one of those things where, like, when we look at the ownership of land, right, and our people, like, we didn't own land. Mm. We were custodians. We were kaitiaki. We worked with the land. Um, mm. It was collectively owned or collectively looked after. Yeah. So that's why not one person owned it. The iwi owned it. The whanau owned it. And that's exactly what happens with our IP. Well, yeah. that's still what happens. Like, if I use... Maui and the sun. Yeah. Like, no one owns that kōrero, yeah. but we all look after it. Yeah. We all do Same our… Same with
0: the Taniwha, of Nui. Yeah, River. yeah. So, yeah. no
1: like, you know, like, so even in that aspect, in that aspect though, though, I mean, the, the reason why I don't kind of bring up the specific iwis and stuff mm. is that I'd argue that they own it, because that's their corridor. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, And then you're going to get, like, so then, say, like, a Disney come in. And mm. they say, "Okay, we're going to take this. We're going to use this." And you are like, "Well, you can't." They are like, "Why? No one owns it." Yeah, yeah. So then Alfano are having to collectivise to own it mm. just to stop someone else from owning it. Yeah, and that's essentially what happened with our land.
0: And I think the worst part though is seeing them sell it off mm. when people get stuck in maybe not understanding what's going on. Um, like for us with Cardi maldi when you when you really look at it, the value is not the deck of cards. The value is the concept. It's the almost the brand, Mm. and what we do. The idea behind Cardi Mode. Anyone can design up a deck of cards. That's there's nothing new there. There's nothing worth you know, saying. I own this. I own this. What what is ours and what we've even you know as far as copyright and stuff, the IP and the ability for that to to grow and to even monetize, is is in the brand itself and Cardi Mode. And I think across the board, and this is what I was saying before, how I've seen it is that. Whether it's naming things with Te Reo Māori, taking Fakatoki or or Purako and using that as a brand or as a way to enhance people's brands, um, all of that sort of stuff, um, it's it's really interesting for me to see how people that are non-Māori or non-indigenous think that they can just have that and use that however they want. But then from also from a commercial side when you're trying to build something. Like even if we go back to Disney, you think about Disney, their money is not necessarily in the movie that they put out. No. Like Frozen, the money's in the brand itself. The money's in the idea around Frozen, it's in the merchandising, it's in all the things that happen once the movie's been released. And I think... I, like, I just want our people to realize that our creativity, our stories, what has been, has been handed down to us, we have to protect that yep. because people are after it left, right, and center because it sells.
1: Yeah. 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 Like, you know, like you're exactly right. Like, Disney's worth is in their storytelling ability, mm. it's not in the actual production. Yeah. It's the ability to, because t- the production is nothing without a good story.
0: Yeah, exactly. And,
1: you know, like, and even when I mentioned um, my studies and stuff before, I did like a little represe- little bit of a presentation down at Altai. Aote- at the University of Canterbury, and I spoke about that, and I mentioned in particular Pocahontas. Yeah. You know, like that story was taken,
0: yeah.
1: wildly appropriated. Yeah. Like when you look into the real story of Pocahontas, man, it's it's shock, it's sad. Like, yeah. it was actually really upsetting. I felt bad because I gave my kōrero, and heaps of people in that room didn't know. Yeah. And they went and looked it up afterwards, and I had people coming up to me Good. like in tears, and they were like, yeah. man, I had no idea. You know, they make it sound like they're... Those soldiers are the good guys coming in and rescuing Pocahontas. Yeah. It's not like they'd stole it. So yeah. you're right. You know that when they take those stories, they also control the narrative. And narrative is everything with stories. When you change a narrative, you change the entire story. Yeah. Um, how we protect that? I. I'd, I'd, that's going to take a smarter fella than me. Yeah. Um I oh, mean, me too. I me obviously too. <laughs> I know that it needs to be protected, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, how you go about that, I don't know, because it's even that it's that. Once again, if we use the analogy of land again, our people, you know, you couldn't under let's call it Pakia law. I don't mm. know what else to call it. Um, it had to be owned by one person, right? In yeah, order for yeah. ourselves, so our family would get together and be like, okay, let's. Delegate someone, you mm. know. In a ideal world, obviously, a lot of times that didn't happen. Kind of the surveys or whatever, would be like, "Oh, you're so you're part of this family." They're like, "Yeah, call cool, you, own it, sell it to me." Like yeah, you know, the shady yeah. deals like that were done. Yeah, um, and that sort of stuff's going to ha- happen again. Like yeah. it's just that it's happening and it is with, happening again. It's happening and with, with ideas now, and the
0: couple of things that I see is there's just like the straight cultural appropriation, um, which is not new. It's stuff that's been happening for ages, and and Maori are getting more onto it with, you know, hitting people up and making sure that that stuff stops happening. Um, for me, in the, like, in the New Zealand, like, venture capital scene, um, where there's still, like, a wide open book as far as investing in multi companies um, and the number of people that are willing to invest in multi companies, it's still mostly mm. Um, And the ones that are savvy to it now are out there, like, headhunting, hunting as much as they can to buy up shares and ownership in these multi-owned, multi-developed comp- companies. To make the money, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, w- and then, what comes with? That, and that's why I call it a colonial land grab because what comes with that is that I own this, mm. and I'm making decisions, and I'm going to tell you how to do it from here on out. Um, and it's stuff like that that really gets me concerned. And the fact that within Moldi there's still, I mean, the idea of venture capital, capitalism, and the idea of, of or Moldi not necessarily even fit in the same caught it all, but yeah. if we just say it's separate and not actually lean into it, then that will happen separate of a teo Māori view pushing back on them. I mean I think some of the bigger iwi organizations, you know, they look at business investment and stuff like that and they're further down the track. Yep. Um but I would love to see more of that happen at a more grassroots level and our our people who are starting businesses and, and generating IP that has the potential to make um an economic you know, based for their whānau in the future, that that stays within te ao Māori, the, the ownership and then the potential commercial return. I think that's the stuff where I'm like, man, we've got to get going on this.
1: For sure. And I mean, there's still, like, spaces to, like, the it's the gift and the curse, right, of the time and that when the, things have never been done before, yeah, it's yeah, awesome yeah. because there's no template and the, no pressure of systems to follow. Mm-hmm. But then also there's, like, opportunities for people to take advantage of the mm-hmm. fact that there's no precedent. Yeah, um, exactly. so like When you look at venture capitalism, I definitely think it can work in the fact that, that I mean, typically with a venture, like, my understanding of um, venture capitalist deals is that they want ownership share, right? Or majority mm. share. And they uh, want to make profit. In order for supporting your co kaupapa. Yeah. I think, like, there's got to be venture capitalists out there that are, you know, got some sort of, either they're Indigenous-led or they've got an Indigenous influence in there, which I know will be rare. And we know that they're predominantly run and owned by, you know, Tawiwi. But there's got to be someone that can kind of try and communicate the idea that, you can still help out by investing a lot of money to get the co-op off the ground without requesting a majority share, mm. because that majority share is what gives you the control, right? Yeah, are yeah. you there to control and have ownership, or are you there to support the co-opper? Yeah. And I think that's where the difference can be. Yeah. Just because venture capitalism isn't typically done with that in mind doesn't mm. mean it cannot be remixed yeah, to now yeah, do that yeah. with that in mind, and so when you're like giving, say, a million dollars, but you're only asking for 20% share, mm. you're still going to make profit on that 20%, but mm. you just don't have the ability to control someone's idea. That shows. That would show me that you genuinely want to help the up yeah, yeah. and be there for the cause as opposed to own it. Now, I know that doesn't make smart economically or commercially. That's not smart. But we're not talking about being smart commercially. Mm. We're talking about getting the cop-up off the ground. I think that's where the two can marry. Yeah, There's, there's always got to be some sacrifice, right? And, yeah, I mean, obviously they want to make as much as they can, but it depends what the priority is for you. And if your values don't align to that goal, then I probably don't want you as my investor anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's just me thinking aloud. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. and I think therein lies the challenge, right, because it, fundamentally what venture capitals capitalists are trying to achieve is, is capitalism. Yep. Um, and there's the there's that fundamental shift. I would love to see some more multi um, – VC or VC opportunities, investment funds, things like that, that keep the IP within Te Ao Māori.
1: I think the great thing that's happening, is, well, there's a big cultural shift happening within Aotearoa where a lot of our allies, I don't really like that term either, but mm. a lot of our tauiwi friends who are happy to help out with tangata whenua because they acknowledge all the craziness of colonisation everything that's happened, mm. they... They, uh, I, f- I find, I think there'll be a lot of people who'll be willing to participate with perhaps that idea that I mentioned or variations of that yeah, idea, yeah. Um, because they understand the struggle and they, they've they've bought into the movement. Yeah. Um, because you know, like uh, it cracks me up seeing things in the news with you know they're trying to say that Māori doesn't add any value or there's those certain people that are saying that we should be learning. Oh, they just dumb. A different deal. <laughs> you know, yeah. we should be learning Chinese because that's better on an economic platform, but. Like, a lot of those people I thought were smart businessmen yeah, until yeah. they say things like that. I'm like, how do you not understand that te reo or Māori or, you know, no matter where you are, Indigenous, the indigenous culture of your land is your only unique selling point yeah. or the most unique selling point to your product or business. Yeah. Um, so why would you not want to work in... Um, partnership or collaboration with that idea or that co as opposed to like trying to shut it down and stop yeah, it. it, just yeah. seems silly. Like I just shake my oh, head yeah. there. And, and I think like
0: any? it's it's up to us as well to to front foot that, to prepare for that, to like actually come in knowing what that looks like for us. You know, if we want to engage with people that that will help us grow our business, what does that actually look like, and what does it mean, and what are you willing to give, and what are you not? Or what are some systems and processes that we could use? Like when it comes if you say reflect back on, on best side on your court on your podcast. Mm. Um, like how do you if there was to be an opportunity where someone was to come in and own some of that, what would you be willing to give and what would you not?
1: Yeah, you gotta have those values, right? Yeah. And then and like I'll be honest now I get sponsorship offers all the time. People yeah. want to sponsor episodes or they wanna do stuff and I've the only reason why I don't have one yet is because I just don't see any I haven't had anyone yet that aligns. Yeah. Someone will come along and they'll align, and we'll do some damage, and it'll be amazing. How
0: do you know if they align?
1: Um, just because I, I guess I know I know what I want, and I kind of know what the mission is. So far, like they've all just been quoted um, all around. A really important point, I reckon. It's like for me, like the core, like tagline of it is just having the conversations worth having. Yeah. And so they'll come in, and what we'll have these quoted all? Like, okay, well, what are your expectations of me and and the brand? I guess, and they're like, yeah, well, mean. you know, we we just want to make sure that. Um, you know you talk so, like, for example, i oh, I had a men's product, mm. um, I'll try not to name them, <laughs> but I had a men's product come in and they wanted to Turex. sponsor. <laughs> 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 they, wanted to, they wanted to sponsor a few episodes. And I said, Well, cool, how would you feel though if I had like a competitor of yours come on and they talked? in because I don't muffle anyone, yeah. so how does how my podcast typically works is that we'll record it, yeah, I give it to them for a couple of days, yeah. to mull on it. If they're like, Hey, I want to change this, that, and the other thing, it doesn't go to air. Yeah. So yeah, I've got yeah. a lot of dead interviews that haven't made yeah, it because wow. people have wanted to change too much. Yeah. Whereas the other ones are like, be like, give it, and they're like, no, that's cool, bro. Hi, yeah, The ones that I love are the ones that are like, publish <laughs> it, bro. But it's going to make me a bit Don't nervous. Be, uh, I was like, well, that shows that it needs it to happen. There? Yeah. So then when we looked at, um, so coming back to the sponsor, when I said to them, well, if I get this person in and they talk about you know, all the things they've gone through and yeah. then they just happened to mention their product. How are you going to feel like that being a direct competitor? Yeah, yeah. And like, oh, no, 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 we can't have that. I was like, well, yeah. then you can't, we shouldn't work together. Yeah, Like, it's awesome. simple as that. I'm pretty ruthless, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, what's your mission? Yeah, but you've got to be How straight does that up, align? right? Nah, that doesn't seem yeah. to work. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably, like, yeah, I think a big thing as well with Tonga Whenua is that, like, we kind of, we need to be reminded of our own worth. You know, we've had like 200 years of being told that we're not worth much. Mm. And I think as we recognise that we are, you know, we mentioned before, I think we use the commercial term of like the, the unique value proposition that we bring to the market. Meaning yeah. our uniqueness as tangata whenua is kick-ass and no one else has it. Yeah. That's the that's the translation of that. And once we come to click more and understand our own um, awesomeness, um, then I think we get more comfortable negotiating in those spaces. Yeah. Like one big quarter I've been having with friends at the moment, just quickly because I know you want to move on. But no, um, no, we're good. is the 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 you know, ehara to kumura, a e quarter or motonaki erika. Right. So like literally for those that don't know that means the kumura doesn't talk about how sweet it is. And I've been like having conversations with friends lately. I like, is that something like Traditional or something that we've always said. I don't know the the origins of that fuckatoki, so feel free to DM me, email me, whatever to to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that was like if that's even ours, or if that's like something that like was put on us to kind of keep us in yeah in, in our check. place. Yeah, yeah. As I don't know either. Yeah, so. yeah. So uh, like uh, those, those are just kind of something that I've been talking. Part with of what mates I take about.
0: from that fuckatoki too is it like kind of like your um, it's not it's not up to you to show as in to talk about what you what it's like the whole idea of your reputation precedes you yeah so it's other people's what other people think of you that is your status not what you think of yourself and cool. can save yourself I think that's another way that I look at that too
1: for sure and once again I think when you I love that perspective because then mm. once again that get that shows you right like if people are telling you you're awesome then you should yeah. believe that you're awesome
0: well you know you're and your, client, your in your whare kai, your marai everyone will know it's good, if it's good. Yep. Not because you're standing there going, "I oh, make it's nice good. kai. It's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: good. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, like, I think that's a big thing, like, man, I don't know what to say other than, like, I, I can't wait until we start believing in ourselves a mm. bit more. Um, it's definitely happening, you know, when I look at the Kazirawiri and, and Debs, the mahi that they're doing with Te Pāti yeah. Māori, they're definitely instilling a bit more of that belief. Um, love that, it's, yeah. it's it's cr- I love how, like, that... Uh, you know, that has become synonymous with Te, te Pāti Māori. You know, they b- believe in, um, you know, the magic and things like that. And there's all sorts of little nuances that I'm seeing happen. Obviously, the the sad thing is that we're getting some big pushback yep. people that are freaking out. Yep. You know, like a kid having a tantrum. When they know they're not going to get what they want, they start throwing everything everywhere yeah, and going yeah, hard. Yeah. Um, we, unless
0: it's out in the open, right?
1: Yeah, hard. Yeah. And then there'll be, there'll and be some anything, shadow games happening too. They're just revealing themselves. And that's the thing yeah. too. Like they, there were once upon a time where they could have done that, and that would have been perceived as normal and okay. Yeah. Whereas now, like people are calling out their racist uncle. Yeah. At have you
0: watched Polynesian <laughs> Panthers?
1: No, not yet. Oh, no, just no. the
0: first episode. I just watched a couple last night, and it opens up like this is blatant racist commentary. Yeah. Towards Pacifica from the seventies and sixties. Yeah, oh, it's pretty man. buzzy. Like blatant media just interviews. Saying, have you checked out that? Got um, to get rid of them. We've got to send them home. Like and that's <laughs> what used to happen, right? Yeah. And that's and like and it was you, just
1: normal And you still catch history. like that odd person. Like I mean not me because it's not a My Funny but you know I mentioned my big extended fano before. And a lot of them were Pākehā. And yeah. I'll get friends that come to me like, bro, I went home for Christmas and my uncle's like one of those people you see on TV. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what did you do about it? They're like, oh, I called. Randy, yeah, eh? they're like, oh I called him out on yeah. it. Awkward, the convo. And they're <laughs> like, and even once upon a time, like they would have called them out and their whole family at the table would have turned on them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. now they're like, you know what? He's, he's right, granddad. Like you need yeah. to cut them in. And the granddad's like, oh, I've just always been <laughs> like this. So, um, I like
0: what you're getting at before too about us believing in ourselves, like... And it kind of like it made me think about you know some of the stories of the early days of colonial settlers and and us Maori selling our selling ourselves off for a blanket and a musket and some some rum and stuff like that and yep. I feel like I just don't want to see that happen again now yep. where someone will dangle a carrot that is a bit of money more money than maybe we thought we could get and then you just straight away grab it because it's there instead of going through the process of is this right is this right long term but then also having Having the t- the tools they need to be able to process that as well, those mm. things like are our values aligned um have the conversation up front and like settle what are th- what does this mean and what are, what do I have to give and what will I get back and and things like that you know being having access to contracts or terms and conditions that peop that people can use to put stuff in in place, like I think there are some really practical things we can help for people sure. have as well and and to be able to value, know what the value of your IP is yep. in the future, not just now and not sell it off for a bloody blanket and a musket.
1: Because that's what it yeah. is like, 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 like yeah. when you think that you use the analogy of the, the carrot dangle Yeah, um,
0: you think, oh 10k, well, you mean! Yeah, well you
1: think <laughs> 10, 10k is worth like my idea you yeah. don't understand, like your idea could be a million dollar idea, because yeah. um, we, I, I mean, no, it's not for some reason. It's obvious the reasons. Like we just don't think like that sometimes. Um, no, and
0: we're not driven by the money either. Cut so, yeah. out, and yeah. And even
1: like so when you when we talk about the blankets and the rum thing, um, straight away I just think of Billy T because I used to watch <laughs> a lot of that when I was a kid. But um, like I I even don't reckon that there uh, for me. There's no way that Al Superna thought that was ownership. Mm. They were, I, and I truly believe that they are like these fellas just want somewhere to put you know, their cabin or to set up their tent and they're giving me this blanket as like a short-term lease thing. Yeah, for me, yeah, yeah. I don't believe that they're like, we're going to give you this land yeah. for this blanket. It was like, yeah, you that's can right. stay here. Shop for the, the deal first
0: before yeah, you take it, eh? hard out.
1: But I mean, they had language barriers yeah, and all that yeah. sort of practical stuff. We still and, do. No. And, and, yeah, and, and even just probably the belief that, no, of course they're not going to steal it from me. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, people don't do that. They are, mate, and then they it, are. And, and then <laughs> it happened. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it still happens And it still
0: today. happens, Yeah, yeah. Mean, mean kore royohoa. Mm.
1: Um, well, we're talking about TV shows quickly. You mentioned yeah, yeah, the Panthers. Yeah. Have you checked out that, um, uh, reservation dogs? No, the Taika Waititi. No, one? I haven't. It's, it's actually, I've wanted to, yeah, definitely check that one out when you get a chance. Apparently, a lot of people have been struggling to get it in all. but yeah, yeah. it's it's mean, like it's it's so funny watching. And I've had same conversations with Alfano over there talking where about where did you watch it? Um, someone. I think I might have Pirited. been... Pirated. Nah, nah. <laughs> I tried. We've got to watch out with those things on our work no, computers. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, but one of the cool things that's been finding out, like a lot of these stories, they are like synonymous to Indigenous cultures the world over. Yeah, So yeah, like when yeah. you watch Reservation Dogs, like it's centred around some First Nations um, crew from... I can't... Apologies, I can't remember if it's America or Canada. Um but like it's just so relative to like running around the park, like mm. it's it's very similar. And mm. then I get the same corridor from that whānau When they say they watch boy, mm. they get the same buzz. They're like, man, yeah. I could so relate to that. You know, the one auntie that just has every job, um, you know, the the uncle that's into horticulture, <laughs> you yeah. know, all that sort of yeah, stuff. So totally. definitely check those out. Those stories like that, are what like help us all to. It takes like it takes us from being minorities to being a majority when we all actually realize we're not too different we're not too far yeah. separated I and doubt. the more fana you have the more belonging you feel yeah
0: have you been over to canada
1: uh, i have North been America? no yeah. I've, I've been but i haven't hung out with alfano over there yeah. i went over there when i was like I think I was 21, so that was like when I, I was only worried about what we were up to for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of that phase of my life. That's the one, eh? I, I'd yeah. love to go back again there with a bit more intent. Yeah, choice. Um, but at the time, yeah, like I'll be straight up. That was like, I was just there to party and yeah. I was there seeing a girl. <laughs> so yeah. like, that's I was just there for those that things. That was your focus, eh? Yeah, that was, was Stolumarangatahi Tanga. Yeah. But I'd love to go I'll back.
0: give him a shout out. Got a few cool connections of fun over there from uh, the Cree Nation. Awful. In the north of... um to Skatchewan, so shout out to that whānau, the Marasti whānau over there. Oh, um, there's some really mean people awesome doing some people. things. Yeah, I managed to go to um, the World Indigenous Business Forum when they had it over there a few years ago and made some really cool connections, got to do some awesome things, jump on the um, jump in some of their reservations and visit some of their casinos that they had as well around there, you know, it's a lot of big way that they use there their cash over there yep. to try and make jobs and well what, whatever you might think of that it is good to see it in action and see the opportunities it brings but also the the challenges eh but got a lot of love for those people over there for the First Nations but um I thought I'd give you an opportunity since you're podcast host and all of that <laughs> to to chuck a question back at me before we wrap up
1: um okay mm, um, which one's it gonna yeah, be
0: yeah yeah do you want me to do while you think about it
1: go on then Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: jokes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what would... Mm, do you think you're being a good ancestor? Mm. Yes or no, and why?
0: Yes. I think I'm being a good ancestor because I I regularly involve my tupuna in the decisions I make and the things that I do, and I call on them for for strength all the time. I'm actually wearing the uh, paunami that my koro gave me when I was 16, I've had it for ages, and I feel like it's like a little kohangareo one, but every now and then when I feel like I need a little bit of his, his strength, I'll, I'll chuck it back on and have mm. them with me. So I think for me that's my way of staying connected and staying like, I guess, on the pathway that I feel would make them proud. Yep. And if, as long as I do that, then I feel like what follows is going to be sweet. Um, my koro instilled in us, my grandparents instilled in us a really strong... Um, value set around working together and looking after each other um, and that everything that we do is for the benefit of all, not for one Um, and everything that I do now the way that I run my businesses, the way that I lead my team, it all stems from that, so I think I can honestly say hands on heart I'm doing everything I can to make them proud.
1: Awesome, Mm. It's a question I ask myself before every decision. Yeah, like yeah. I'm po- poised with something like those sponsorship deals yeah. or whatever. Because you
0: can hear them answer you, eh? You know exactly out. what they'd say. Like,
1: and no, not only
0: Get in there and do the dishes. <laughs> not, not
1: only tupuna, but you kind of, like, not to get too airy-fairy, but I also can hear, like, future gen. Yeah. Like, I'll sit there and kind of, I guess, for lack of a better term, let's say meditate on it. But, like, am I being a good ancestor right now? And you hear, like, Komatua children like the whole spectrum mm. it all plays in and even like the hearty debates and like the table talk that can happen from it so it's a question I like to ask people and I could like for me what well, like I could have had you muted then and not heard a word you say but your body language and like you tear yeah, up a little yeah, bit you I know, know. I was all, like, good question. all that sort Straight of stuff that heart. that shows that you you truly believe in what you say and we've talked about self-belief and yeah. we need more of that and
0: uh yeah I'm intentional in that I work hard I work hard to try and stay to those values that they, they instilled in me. Me.
1: Yeah.
0: Cowpoy. <laughs> Man, that you was that was choice for first caught it away. I mean, we just met face to face for the first time about an hour ago, so yep. or two hours ago now. Um so that was awesome, bro. Hopefully there'll be lots more caught it all. I feel come. like we'll
1: be doing this for yeah, months, years to come.
0: Yes, awesome. Watch the space. Hey, thank you so much, Tina T me Nuke ho for jumping on with us today. And uh yeah. Enjoy the enjoy the rest of your day, Fano. Kaki te.